Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Good morning and welcome to Women's Football Digest. Um, we've got another busy show for you today. A lot of England talk and then back to the WSL after the international break. I'm your host, Natasha Henry, and we have two of our wonderful reporters with us today. We have Jack Lacey Hatton. How are you, Jack? Uh, I'm good, thanks, Natasha. Yeah, glad to be back on. Good. Great to see you. And Beth Lindop, how are you today? Yeah, good. Thanks. Adjusting to the, the dark early mornings, but yeah, no, not too bad. Yeah, it is it is very miserable around here right now, isn't it? Um, well, where do we start? But the Women's Nations League. Obviously, England faced Belgium on Friday at the King Power Stadium. Jack, you were there for us. England got the win. It possibly wasn't as easy as they would have liked. They had three times as many chances as Belgium. They had 72% possession, I believe. Was this an example of how Serena's teams can sometimes just grind out that win sometimes? Yeah, I, I think it was the, the perfect example of, of that, really. It, it, it feels a bit like Groundhog Day, but it could go back to a lot of these uh, the, the shows we did during the World Cup where England sort of were, were just grinding out results. Not not It wasn't exactly spectacular football like we saw at the, the Euros for example the year before um, but yeah they, they just seem to at the moment just know how to get the job done uh, even if they're they're not creating as many chances as they'd have liked and I think a few of the players who spoke to us in the, the mix zone after the game were sort of were saying that as well um, but but they got the they got the win the three points are all that matters really at, at this stage they just I think you know they couldn't allow coming out of this these these two games against Belgium they couldn't allow the gap to to Netherlands at the top of the group to to be any any bigger um so so yeah it's it's job done as far as as far as Serena and and the players will 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 go and uh, I, I mean I didn't think it was the, the yeah I didn't think it was a great England performance but equally I think but I never really was that worried in the last sort of 10 minutes or so that that Belgium would score. Obviously you'd like to have the game sewn up uh, in a lot more uh, in more of a comfortable fashion by that point. But yeah, Eng- England can reflect on on a a decent win. And yeah, they, they they it wasn't it wasn't a vintage performance, but she as as Serena said herself recently, it's not always about, you know, I think we we have to go from expecting big victories that we've seen in qualifying over over the last few years to now we're playing you know top sides all right Belgium won at the World Cup but they've they've improved a lot um in the last sort of 12 months and yeah they gave they gave a really good account of themselves and, and made it a, a difficult evening we'll come back to the lionesses in a minute but i'm just thinking about your point there beth do you think we're already seeing the well a, a higher uh, better quality in the women's game since, say, the Euros. We've seen it now on a, every international break. We're seeing results where we're maybe a bit surprised or teams who are not walking over. Do you think that's a sign of the investment in the game and it's showing on the pitch? Yeah, definitely. I think sort of the global game has, has absolutely sort of gone up a level. Uh, we saw that at the World Cup, a number of, of debutantes, you know, scoring famous wins against opposition that, that you probably would have would have expected them to, to to be winning. So, yeah, I think definitely sort of globally the game is, is in a much healthier position than it was. And that's really exciting. I think, you know, Serena was asked ahead of that, that Belgium game last week, um, you know, whether she enjoyed the fact that, you know, that 
obviously now that as Jack mentioned there that there's not going to be those qualifiers that, that we saw sort of a couple of years back when England were winning sort of 10-0 20-0 it was 20-0 that they, they beat Latvia um, you know as, as much as in one sense it's great from an England perspective to see England sort of scoring you know all sorts of goals and and dominating the game from sort of a neutral standpoint you don't want to be seeing results like that and I think obviously that's one sort of positive of the Nations League you know it makes things a little bit more difficult for England but you know equally makes more entertaining closely contested games um but yeah I think sort of you know I spoke to um I think I said on the pod last week but I spoke to, to Justine Van Harvenmap from Everton ahead of that game last week and you know she spoke about um about Belgium and, and how far that they come, you know, they think they were beaten six one by England, weren't they? At the the Arnold Clark Cup earlier um earlier this year. Um and I think you sort of you, you see the progress that they'd made um very clearly on Friday night. So I think sort of teams across Europe and, and outside of Europe as well have come an awful long way and hopefully long may it continue. Back. Was there Jack? Sorry, was there anyone in particular that impressed on Friday? Anyone maybe surprised you? Or, well, as we're pre-recording this show before England faced Belgium, you know, is there anyone that played on Friday that Serena may think, you know, let me start them in the away leg? Yeah, I, I was really impressed with with Neve Charles. I know she had a great start to the season at, at Chelsea, so it's probably not too much of a surprise to some people. I actually thought Serena might stick with the the back three um, on Friday night, which not a lot of other people in the, in the press box around me were were, were agreeing with. Um, but having said so, she went with the back four. Neve Charles started at left back, and I think from like the first thirty seconds, basically, she was all she was in Belgium's penalty area, making stuff happen. You know, had a, had a decent chance that went just over the bar, and just it just sort of set the tone for for what I thought was a really energetic performance from her and someone we've not seen we've seen her a little bit around the England squad for for the past year but but not I don't think given that many starts I think this was only a, a fourth or fifth um international start I'll have to check that afterwards but yeah she 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 really impressed me and I think is sort of giving uh Serena a bit more food for thought in terms of that left back position because Obviously, you know we've, we we know there's always the debate about Rachel Daly playing left back or, or playing further forward. Alex Greenwood has done has done really well since she sort of moved into to centre half and, and covered for Leah Williamson's absence. So so left back has not not become a problem position, I wouldn't say, but it became sort of yeah a potential weakness in the in the England squad. And I think yeah, Neve ne- Charles's performance was 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 a really sort of uh, yeah good good response to that, I think. And and it, if she starts the the away leg, obviously, like you say, we're, we're recording this before the away game, but if she starts uh, in that game as well, then hopefully she can she can do another produce another sterling job. And uh, obviously another player who I think you know we all we all wanted to see come back as well was was Frank Kirby who came off the bench. Perhaps didn't have you know didn't get a, a, as much of the ball as she'd have liked in that sort of half an hour um, show that spell that she had in the game. But yeah, I, I think it's just great to see her back. And, you know, Lucy Bronze was saying to us afterwards, it's, you almost you almost forget that a, a player as talented as Frank Kirby had to go and go for a whole World Cup campaign without her. It's, it's you know, I think most teams in the world would, would miss a player of her ability. Um, so yeah, excited to see her back as well. And yeah, there, there, there were a few good performances. You know, I thought Alessia Russo maybe didn't have a best night in terms of finishing, but she was lively throughout. Put put Belgium's defence under under pressure from the off. Um, uh, Alex Greenwood as well, solid as ever. She's having just a, a superb year, I think, in an England shirt. So yeah, there, there were a number of, of, of good performances, even though at times the team 
were, were a little sort of a little slow in, in tempo and, and perhaps didn't create as many clear cut chances as they would have liked. But I still thought there were yeah there were plenty of plenty of positive individual performances to look at. Yeah, I think just following on from from what Jack said about about Neve Charles, I think she's one of those players who feels like she's been around for ages, and then she's only actually twenty four. And you think, well, you know, how exciting is that for England to know that they've got a player of her her quality who is sort of just sort of coming into a prime, maybe not even coming into a prime, but it, you know, it is obviously seeing a lot more action at Chelsea this season and last season. So. You know, I think she's a really exciting prospect for England, and and as Jack said, I was I was really you know really impressed with her, and I think she deservedly won Player of the Match. Um, but I think Mary Earps as well. I mean, she's one of those players that was so used to her consistently dropping sort of seven out of ten performances that that maybe she gets overlooked. And I think you know in those games that are quite tight, you know you need to have a have a goalkeeper that you can rely on to to sort of stay focused, stay switched on, it and. And make the saves when when needed, and I think you know Mary Epps has ever did that very well. I think she made a really good save early on, and then you know a couple, a couple sort of peppered throughout the game. And you know I think we saw obviously on, on Monday evening, she won. Uh, she was named sort of fifth in the in the Bolland, women's Ballon d'Or rankings, which is the highest ever for a female goalkeeper. Which is again a testament to to the quality that that she possesses. And you know as ever, she's just absolutely central to, to everything that, that England do. Yeah, I think she made four saves, I think the stats said. But I think, yeah, we all agree, you know, that strong keeper at the back, that strong line of defence is always really good for England. Um, And Serena clearly has a lot of trust in them. Jack, do you think we're learning anything new about this squad as the qualification continues? Um, I I think we're learning that, that, I suppose we we learned this at the World Cup as well, but they they know how to get the job done because they weren't great. I didn't think in the opening game against Scotland for large periods. Um, that that was a similar sort of game to 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 Friday against Belgium. Really, that I thought at nil nil, Mary Oates has had to make a a, a really top class save. Uh, and you know, to I suppose like like Beth said, it's it's that's what you get for having the the best goalkeeper in the world. That's that's why you want her in your team. Um, so yeah, I think we'll learn that England can still get the job done when they're not playing so well. Hopefully, we'll we'll see sort of a, a I suppose a more controlled performance um, in the in the return game against Belgium, and then and then the, what what they want is I think is to to build up their confidence and and be at peak performance, then produce one of those those great England performances that we've seen on the big occasions, like we saw at the the Euros. Like we saw at the World Cup semi-final against Australia for the for the game against Netherlands uh, in December, because I do feel that that will decide this group. Um, but yeah, we're, I, th- I think we're just learning that as well. Serena can can change. We we at the Euros and sort of the first first year of her her reign as as England manager, she had a very rigid system, didn't she? She stuck to the same team. Um, pretty rigidly and and now I think we're seeing more of a yeah she's willing to to change and and, and tweak the formation and, and not just the formation but the overall sort of tactical approach for for whatever the situation requires um and uh, yeah I thought they 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 showed on 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 Friday night in the in the first game sort of what they can do with the ball that we've, we've seen a number of games where it's been more backs to the wall from England in, in recent months. But yeah, I thought they were, that they showed again why they're so good going forward, how, how good the fullbacks are, how important the fullbacks are as well to their attacking play in terms of not just Neve Charles, but Lucy Bronze as well in the first half. So many of their attacks came from down that side. And I think we've forgotten, yeah, sort of how, 
how important they can be to to England's build up and England's attacking play. Um, it's, it's it's an interesting one because I think it's, you could almost play devil's advocate and say, well, how many great England performances have we actually seen since the Arnold Clark Cup? And there's probably not that many. There's the the, the win against China at the World Cup, and then, like I say, the World Cup semi final. Um, but but on the flip side of that is they're still in the conversation for they they get into the business end of all these competitions. You know, they got to a World Cup final. You very you know, couldn't, couldn't have lost by a much closer margin. Now they they, they they haven't played brilliantly in this Nations League campaign so far. But I would still imagine going into the final match day, they'll be they'll be have a chance of, of finishing top and qualifying. And really, that's that's all you can ask for from from this team. I mean, actually, um, England actually played Belgium at another King Power Stadium. Um, but Beth, I mean, looking at the table, three games in. It's vital England beat Belgium, isn't it? Yeah, I think, you know, they, they couldn't, I think as, as Jack said earlier, they couldn't afford to really to, to let the Netherlands steal too much of a march on them. It is such a closely fought table. And especially because, you know, Belgium have, have picked up a, a victory as well along the way. You know, there's every team really is still in contention to to qualify. Um so yeah, I think it is massively important that they they get the win. And I think, you know, obviously from from the perspective, they want to be in these Nations League finals, they want to win another trophy, and they also, you know, crucially want to qualify for next summer's Olympics for, for Team GB. But I think just sort of it, it really helps continue in that winning momentum. I think, you know, it was obviously disappointing for them to, to not win against the, the Netherlands. Um, and I think this this is a group of players now and a manager that doesn't like not winning games. So I think, you know, it is hugely important for sort of continuing the momentum of the team and um, and yeah they will know sort of what's at stake what's at stake for them this evening yeah um it's it's definitely an exciting time for women's football um so thinking about the WSL now thinking well we look back before the international break sum it up for me Beth you know who's impressed you have you been surprised by anyone who needs to do better um, gosh, I think I think probably it, it, we're talking sort of at the, at the top of the table. I think Manchester City have been hugely impressive. Um, obviously, they're, they're leading the way at, at this moment in time. And, you know, it, it's very hard to, to ever write Chelsea off. And I think, you know, Emma Hayes is very clever when she speaks to the media. I think she sort of spoke to them before the international break and and said, you know, we're not the favourites. Chelsea aren't the favourites for, for this title. Obviously, they're the only English team still in Europe and that could very much play play a part in how they do domestically. Um, but yeah, I think Manchester City, some of the football that they've played has been absolutely brilliant. Um, I was at Walton Hall Park when they came to to play Everton in the, in the Conti Cup and obviously it was a much changed side and they brought in players who maybe aren't usually starting for them and they were still just, some of the football they were playing was tremendous. So I think sort of at the top end of the table, you know, they've really impressed me. I think in terms of sort of, you know, the surprise packages, I think Leicester obviously, you know, deservedly, you know, have won a lot of plaudits this season um, for, for the way that they've gone about the business. And, you know, you have to consider last season, they didn't have a single point going into Christmas. And, and now look at them, you know, I think they're the fifth in the table. Um, you know, they've they've got some big wins. They obviously pegged United back to a draw away from home. So I think they've been brilliant. And, you know, I'll be down at, at Prenton Park this weekend for, for Liverpool versus Leicester. And I'm really excited for that one, actually, because Liverpool, um, you know, Merseyside bias might be coming out a little bit, but, you know, they're another team that have really impressed me this season. I think you can absolutely see the improvement that they've made. 
from last season. I think the, the investment that's gone into the club, both in terms of the playing squad and the infrastructure over the summer, has has definitely translated into some of those performances on the pitch. And you know, I think both Liverpool and Leicester are sides that are now looking to sort of make that next step. Can they close that gap a little bit on on those sort of elite teams above them? Um, so I think it'll be a really exciting game on on Sunday. I'm looking forward to that. And I think you know when you consider actually, despite having a poor season. Last season, Leicester actually did the double over Liverpool, so I think you know Matt Beard and his players will have that in their mind, and they'll be they'll be wanting a little to you know enact a little bit of, of revenge. Um, I think sort of probably when you look at teams that that need to to improve, need to do more. I think Arsenal is probably the the strongest candidate for that. I think you know they've, they've obviously had some some really disappointing results, and um, you know I think sort of the one positive, sort of as, as we were saying about England, I think when you look at the last couple of games before the international break for Arsenal, they weren't necessarily vintage performances. They didn't play particularly brilliantly, um, but they got the job done and they 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 got back to winning ways. And I think that's really important and will be really encouraging for Fiona Cedarval. So um, so yeah, I think I think the, the override and the sort of takeaway from from the first few weeks of the season is that it's, it's anybody's game, isn't it? And every game that you go into as cliched as it sounds is, is really competitive. So hopefully that continues post international break. I was looking at the stats this morning, Jack and city have only conceded one goal in their four games. Them and Chelsea have both scored nine, but Chelsea have conceded four I imagine that's something that Emma would have been looking at over the international break because, you know, both teams on 10 points, you've got Tottenham on nine, Man United on eight, and then Leicester, Liverpool and Arsenal all on seven. It could be very tight at the top. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it'll be it'll be tight at the top for the, the whole season. I, I think Emma probably, I think she said it after, I was at the, the, the last Chelsea game, the win against Brighton before the international break. And she sort of provided a, a, a bit of, context and, and explanations for 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 why yeah why the games have been perhaps a bit closer than people expected why why they are conceding more goals but but then somebody as a follow-up sort of asked her but are you happy with your, your team's performances and she was she was like yeah I'm very I'm very happy why would you think I'm not yeah I'll just give it she's just giving uh explanations to, to to how she analyzes the game but I think she she'll be really pleased with with the start they've made again sort of going under the radar and for, for all we could look at that and it was one of the standout games wasn't it of the first batch of fixtures was that that Manchester City and Chelsea um, draw uh, on the second week of the season and for all we made a thing of like Chelsea nearly lost that game against against a nine player nine player team the, the fact is they didn't lose it that, and that's just that's just so typical of, of why they're always winning big trophies why they're always there at the business end of the season because they don't allow themselves to, to lose games like that um, so yeah, I mean, there's, they're, they've still got areas to work on. I think you know the departure of of, of Magda Eriksson in, in defence, like that's that's always going to take time to to get over. Not only was she such a great defender, but she was such a great leader in that that dressing room, a real senior player. Um, so so yeah, they're, they're, they'll look to to kick on. I agree with Beth. I think you know it's, it sounds odd. You'd, you'd you'd like to see a bit more probably from Arsenal, which sounds strange for a team that have actually only lost one of those their first four games, but. Yeah, they were, they took a long time to get going against Aston Villa um, when they when they came back late in the day and that on on that day and I think it only really it sort of only turned when when Beth Mead came off the bench and and sort of got the that that turned the crowd and 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 got them playing on the front foot again. I think their their biggest challenge or the biggest challenge for for Jonas will be 
once Beth Mead and, and Viv Miedema are able to to play a full 90 minutes or at least ma- the majority of the game and not just sort of make cameo appearances at the end. How, how do you then fit all these attackers in? Because there's, there's you know, there's a lot of competition for places uh, up top with Alessia Russo and, and Stina Blackstinius, Caitlin Ford. You know, it's like it's, the list is endless of top fours they've got. And every week, if everyone's fit, you're going to have three or four players who are, who are disappointed to, to not be starting. So, so I'm really interested to see how Jonas manages that and whether he can not only manage that, but then manage that and improve performances at the same time. Because uh, it wasn't exactly a, a vintage uh, display in the win over Bristol either, just before the, the international break. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. Obviously, Arsenal, Manchester City as well, first first game back after the international break, which I'm sorry we'll come on to. But uh, that's... I feel that's a, already a massive game because City, like you say, in a session of not, the, the defence has been very solid so far. They've, they've quietly gone about uh, under the radar a little bit at the start of the season. Um, and they, they, I think the, the, the stability they've had, I know they've only made one official you know, senior signing this summer in the, in the transfer window, but the consistency they've got, they just look like a really stable team to me and a team that now has real depth off the bench as well and can and can change things up when they need to um so yeah i've i've been really impressed with them at the start of the season and it, but it's a, it's a it's a huge game on sunday because i felt that losing at arsenal last season was probably what what cost them a, a chance at a shot at the title i think if they'd have won that game they would have been still in it right until the end um so yeah it's a it's a massive massive game for them yeah, I mean, we're, we're already talking about this weekend's games, aren't we? So it's Aston Villa v Chelsea on Saturday. Then we've got Arsenal v Manchester City. We will get to that later. Um, Tottenham v Everton, Liverpool v Leicester, West Ham v Bristol City and Brighton v Manchester United. Beth, Everton go to a very impressive Tottenham side. I mean, if you did, if you did predicted this result, at the end of last season, you would have expected Everton to be going into it above Tottenham, but that's not how things are. What 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 should we expect to see from Brian Sorensen's team? Yeah, I think it'll be a really tricky game. Um, I've actually just been, been writing a piece on that actually. And when um, Everton went to, to Brisbane Road last season to take on Tottenham, I think they'd lost the, the previous four games or the previous three games. They were a little bit of a rut and, you know, they had a really sort of convincing win over Tottenham. And then after that, I think they went sort of seven games. Um, I think in the next seven games, sorry, they only lost one. So that, you know, it would prove sort of a bit of a catalyst for, for turning their season around. And you know, they could probably do with that sort of result this time around as well. I think, you know, it's maybe sort of slightly contrasting fortunes from last season. I think Everton, you know, started started well and looked like a team that were very much in the ascendancy while, while Tottenham was sort of really struggling under, under Rianne Skinner. And I think, you know, obviously the new manager has come in at, at Tottenham this summer and, and they look completely sort of revitalised. I mean, I think we've spoken before on the podcast about Martha Thomas and the impact that she's had coming in. And when you consider they've got, you know, Bethany England to add into this side, they're a real sort of frightening proposition and um, I think sort of you know Everton one thing one area where they, they've struggled at times um, is, is defensively obviously they, they signed off for the international break with, with a 5-0 defeat to Manchester United and well I think that that was the scoreline was probably a little bit harsh and a lot of those goals came sort of very late on in the game when you know that I think they just sort of capitulated basically um, but I think sort of last season Everton had a really solid back line and I think you know they, they will be that that back line will be very much tested against uh, against Tottenham um, with some of the, the attacking threat that they carry. So 
um, yeah, I think it's going to be a, be a really important game for, for Everton. And I think if they could get a win there, it would be, you know, it would be huge for them. But yeah, it certainly won't be won't be easy. I mean, sorry, lost my words. Liverpool v Leicester. At the start of the season, you wouldn't expect that to be sixth v fifth in the table. But as you said previously, both teams have been very impressive. This could be quite a tightly fought contest, couldn't it, Beth? Yeah, I think so. That's certainly what I'm expecting. I don't think it will be sort of a route, you know, one way or the other, barring any sort of freak red cards or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I think it will be a, be a really interesting game. I think Liverpool, um, you know, there've been some really promising signs. I think they will have been incredibly frustrated to have conceded so late on against against West Ham last time out. You know, they're on course for and calls for the, the three points and, you know, had they won that game, they'd be actually above Leicester going into, into this game and, you know, only one point off the top. So, you know, while they're still in a good position, I think Liverpool will feel like they've maybe dropped points that they, you know, they should have, have picked up really. Um, and I think, you know, Matt Beard was asked ahead of that game with West Ham, if Liverpool want to close the gap on the, on the top four, is that the sort of game that they need to be winning, you know, against West Ham, against Leicester, against those teams in and around them? And, and I think, you know, Matt Bibb was quite coy about that and, and acknowledged the fact that, you know, it is very, very difficult, regardless of who you play now, to to pick up points in this league because it is so competitive. But, you know, I think, you know, he was being 100% honest. Liverpool want to be beating the likes of West Ham. They want to be beating the likes of Leicester. And I think, you know, particularly because of that disappointing sort of conceding that equaliser so late on against West Ham they'll want a real statement performance against Leicester um, and I think sort of the exciting thing for Liverpool is I don't think that they're anywhere near the, the full potential I think you know they brought in a club record signing in the summer and in Sophie Roman Hogg and she obviously missed the first couple of games with injury and she's been playing the last couple of games with a mask on and um, she won't have to play with that anymore Um so I think, you know, she's yet to reach her full potential. And I think if she is to sort of replicate the form that she's shown elsewhere for, for Norway and and, and for um, for AS Roma, I think she'll be really exciting for them. They've got the likes of, of Shanice van der Sanden and, and Leanne Keane and coming back into the fold as well. Um, so, yeah, I think it will be a really tough game, um, but I'm excited. I think it will be hopefully for the neutral anyway, it will be an exciting game to watch on Sunday. Yeah, Aston Villa v Chelsea. I mean. Carla Ward's team are only not bottom of the table because uh, Bristol City have conceded four more goals than they have. But they need to win this or they need to at least take a point. And against Chelsea, that's that's not going to be easy, is it? No, you couldn't, you couldn't ask for a, a more difficult fixture from a game where you definitely need something from. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough for Villa. I feel a little bit, they, they've been a little bit harshly done by in terms of you know, two two of their defeats um, came in the, the dying minutes against against top opposition against teams that that would expect to compete for the title. So it's not it's not been you know the the easiest start for them. Um, I didn't think they played. I mean, Beth might know better than me. I, I didn't think they played particularly poorly against Liverpool. I felt there was still some some signs of the the Aston Villa. We saw last season they've had a few a few tweaks and a few changes as well to their squad, so I think they'll take time to to bed in. I think the the, the key is were, was was Rachel Daly's season last last year twenty two goals in twenty two games. What was the, I'm still not sure whether that was sort of a, a freakish striker on an unbelievable run 
or whether it's going to be something that she can she can replicate. Maybe not exactly twenty two goals this season, but whether she can she can yeah get up to the the high teens, um, it, well into double figures again. Because I think if she does, Aston Villa, yeah, that 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 they should they've still got a great chance of of coming back and getting into the top half. But it's a yeah, it's a, it's a really difficult ask against Chelsea. Chelsea side who I think are only growing in confidence and and as they get more players back throughout the season, uh, uh, throughout the early parts of the season, uh, yeah, are only getting stronger. So, um, so yeah, not, not an easy task. Um, and they, they will need some points on the board. It's, it's, it's difficult for a few teams near the bottom now. I've got, I've got really tricky runs as well. I know that um, Brighton have obviously slightly above Villa and Bristol because they had that win on the opening day, but they, I think they've now got both the Manchester clubs um, back to back. So, and then possibly Arsenal after that. So it's not a it's not an easy run for them either. And yeah, if 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 Aston Villa and and them don't get a, don't get points on the board soon, then they could find themselves getting sucked into uh, sucked into the the dogfight at the bottom. Yeah, I mean. Talking of the dogfight, Bristol City, obviously, bottom of the table, uh, four defeats, four games, four defeats. They go to West Ham, who always feel like they're there and thereabouts, but never really doing much. I mean, West Ham will probably be looking at this, a home game, an easy three points, Jack. Yeah, well, it's yeah, it feels harsh almost saying that every club, I guess, could look at Bristol City so far, and just think, well, they're, they're newly promoted. They haven't picked up anything yet, so we it's an e- you know not an easy win, but we have to be winning this game. Um, I, I you know I think it's it's not a bad game for for, for Bristol to try and attack, but but I have to say I've been been really impressed with, with the bits I have seen of, of West Ham so far this season, mainly that that when they went to Chelsea, I think they've they've been. Far, far better than what I was expecting. You know, Rianne Skinner, we, we spoke to her before the season started and she was talking a lot about, you know, having to change the style of play as well as sort of get get the recruitment right. And, and so many, just, just so many like wider changes at the club that, that often take a lot of time. And she, she didn't have a particularly long pre-season because she was out in Australia at the World Cup as well. And I was kind of sat there thinking, God, that's going to, that's going to be a tough ask to, to turn around that, that team in such a short time. But, but, the evidence is there that they, they do look to be playing that they're a much more possession focused team, I think, than they were last season. Um, and yeah, they'll, if, if they can get another win, which you, you would expect, I suppose, against, against Bristol City on, on current form, then, uh, then they'll be in a really good position to, to kick on. Yeah, Beth, uh, Manchester United, another team that we expect to be there and thereabouts at the end of the season. I mean, they're currently in fourth, which is not where they want to be, but they head out to Brighton this weekend. That could be a tricky tie for them because you never really know what you're going to get against Brighton, I suppose. Yeah, I think I, I watched Brighton first game of the season against Everton and was was really impressed, certainly with the way that they, they started the game. They came out of the blocks really quickly. Um, Katie Robinson was was absolutely fantastic in that opening half, in that opening sort of half hour or so. Um, so yeah, I think it, I, I watched them then and I thought, wow, you know, they could be real real competitors this season with with a full preseason under Mel Phillips. I thought, yeah, they, they could be, you know, really trying to sort of push to, to get a top half finish. But then, you know, obviously they've been slightly underwhelming in the last couple of games. Um, 
But I think, you know, that it's always tricky. I think you'll be expecting Manchester United to win that one pretty comfortably, especially, you know, considering how they performed against Everton last time out. But, you know, that being said, you know, the league is so competitive. And I think sometimes, you know, when teams are viewed as the underdog going into games, that that maybe sometimes works in their favour because the pressure will be on Manchester United. You imagine that they will be seeing a lot of the ball and, you know, it's then about how, you know, how do you, do you defend? Do you, do you stop those counter attacks? I mean, there were a couple of times against Everton as brilliant as as Manchester United were that Everton could have easily, you know, got on the score sheet. And I think sometimes, you know, goals change games. And, and if one of those chances goes in, it could have been a completely different game against Everton. So, you know, Manchester United, as much as I'm sort of thinking that there'll be favourites going into that one, you know, it won't be easy. Uh, I think that it. Sorry, there's only one place to to end our chat today, and that's Arsenal Man City. Jack, huge game for both teams. A, a great opportunity for City to really, you know, show that they they have the the power to win the title, the strength, the ability. And like Beth said earlier, Arsenal have had a disappointing start to the season. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be there on on Sunday. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's got the 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 hallmarks of yeah, like you say, a really intriguing game. I think as well, one one other factor could be, and we we saw how this affected Arsenal before that when they uh, were knocked out of the Champions League in qualification. That neither side perhaps has had it will have had a great week on the training pitch due to the international break. Players coming back late, um, so it could it could be a game that struggles for for rhythm and and. Yeah, both sides perhaps not at the best, but in a weird way, I think that might that might suit Manchester City um, as the away team. They they they, they probably will um, will will sit sit deep and try and sort of yeah give give a disciplined performance. And then if they can get a goal on the break, um, try try and try and hold on to it really. Um, but yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a really interesting game, and and it, I think it, whoever loses will not not be in a, a difficult position to save their season but you know it's like we always say it only takes a couple of defeats and then it's it, you're facing a really uphill battle to, to to win the league in the WSL um so yeah it should should be a cracker Beth I'll just come to you finally who do you think the key players will be in that game who who who's going to make the difference or decide a result I think both teams you know have such a strong complement of attacking options don't they I mean especially you know with Arsenal having Beth Mead back and, and Viv Mead back as well I mean obviously we imagine that they'll probably be starting the game on the bench but you know with it with a few more sort of weeks of, of, of training under the belts might be able to play slightly more more of a, of a role in this game um, but then you look at Manchester City and they've got Chloe Kelly Lauren Hemp Jill Rod has been excellent since she's come in um, so I, I think sort of the, the biggest the biggest battle in that game, I think, will be between City's City's front line and, and Arsenal's defence. Because I think for me, that's where that's what lets Arsenal down. I think defensively, you know, having lost Leo Williamson sit to an ACL injury and with, with Raffaele, who's probably one of, if not the best centre back in, in the league last season. You know, with her having left as well, I just don't think they've settled on that real sort of settled back line. Um, and I think, you know, that's something that Manchester City and their forwards will probably be licking their lips, thinking that, you know, we're gonna we're gonna at least get a couple of chances. And so it's about whether they can put them away. So I think sort of, you know, the likes of Chloe Kelly and Lauren Hemp, if they're fit and firing, then I fear for Arsenal because I think defensively that they're, they're not as, as good as Manchester City are. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be another exciting WSL weekend. I mean, there's there's never been a more exciting time in women's football, which is one of the reasons we've launched our new publication, Women's Football News. You'll always know what's going on. In this month's issue, actually, Jack speaks to our cover star, Jess Carter, I believe. And Beth has a great piece about Liverpool women's return to um, Melwood. Very good piece. We've also got columnists, Sue Smith and Jackie Oatley, who'll be talking about, you know, the biggest stories, the hottest topics in the game. And you can pick up your copy at the local retailer or go to reachshops.co.uk forward slash women's football. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jack. Good to see you again, Beth. That's it from us. Take care.